Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. Can you talk about the importance of personalization, higher ed marketing, especially on the websites for, you know, prospective students? I once did a test before where I contacted uh, dozens of universities and I just monitored the the feedback of personalization that came back. And the personalization, apart from one or two, was awful. Um, Often what I got back was a really long email, often a copy and paste from the course website page, but nothing about asking me questions about who I was, what I was looking for, what my concerns were, you know, if I had any questions. But that doesn't really, that's not selling. You know, know, and I think sales is kind of a dirty word in education, particularly higher education. But it is, it is, you know, selling doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. You know, sales, I think, and selling is important in life. You need someone to sell you a car. You need someone to sell you your house. You you need to be sold things that are good for you and help you to, to, you know, to buy and to, to gain assets and, you know, gain advantages in life. And I think in education, sales is, is, is kind of something that we need to, to improve a lot on. But it starts from the website where how do they get in touch with you? How do they enter that sales process? You know, live chat options, phone calls, WhatsApp. I think that's another place where, you know, that needs to be improved, where we, we aren't always offering the communication tools that the student wants to use. You know, trying to meet them where they are. And then when they, you get them into that sales process, personalize, use their name, ask about them, you know, and then try to connect the dots of who they are and why this course would be a good fit for them and why this institution would be a good fit for them and just, just personalize that journey for them. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Tales Show with Chris Raposo. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Philip Smith out of Dublin, Ireland. Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Very happy to be here. Awesome. Philip, I do a lot of my research on LinkedIn. This is how I get a little bit of the background information about my guests on the show. And I've noticed that you have a degree in marketing from the Technology University in Dublin and an MBA from the Power Business School. When did you know that you wanted to get into marketing and what do you love about it? Yeah, I think marketing was the first, I suppose, area I went into after school. Um, so it's, it's, it's what I've spent my education in and my career in. So it's kind of all I know, essentially. And um, I started off in customer service, actually doing an internship. Uh, for a tech company um, many years ago. But after that, I found I did some marketing in that role, found a love for marketing. And then I've just been in marketing roles and, and in marketing ever since. Okay, great. And I, uh, during my research, I discovered that you're the co-founder of Education Marketing Agency. Can yeah. you talk a little bit more about Education Marketing Agency, why you started and what you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So I was the group director of marketing and sales for a group of private colleges in Dublin. Um, I worked with a lot of different marketing agencies, mostly on retainers, and they would set up fees and difficult kind of long-term agreements and so on. Um, so essentially, I, I left that uh, some years ago and set up my own uh, consultancy, um, the Education Marketing Agency, uh, alongside it, which is a done-for-you commission-based ad service. So we do uh, performance ad marketing for education institutions, but only on a pay-for-results basis, because that's what I wanted when I was a marketing director. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So when we schedule this this interview, you mentioned uh, about your passion of fixing and improving the front end education, the front end of educational institution to easier grow student enrollment. Yeah, there's something coming up there. It's called the enrollment cliff. So it's going to be harder and harder and harder to get those students into the or yeah. whether it's on campus or virtually. Can you explain how a well-designed higher ed website can contribute to the institution's overall marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the website is a key piece of it. There's also the marketing and the sales process that go along into the website. And, and you know, that's a big part of the, the actual kind of overall strategy at the front end of the institution recruiting students. Um, but but hired websites, there's a f- few things that uh, we're, we're doing kind of wrong that could be improved. And um, there's a lot of improvements, but there's a few core areas where we're really kind of falling down. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those would be the, the amount of content. So hired websites are just kind of content overload. There's a huge amount of pages, huge amount of text, mm-hmm. difficult navigation, difficult to find the course. It's just it's just it doesn't communicate very well to people visiting the website, especially people that are coming in cold for maybe a, you know an advertisement uh, to view this website. Um, more we need more video content, more kind of easy to engage uh, content on the website, and um, but more urgency as well. Higher websites, um, historically, you know, higher institution institutions just don't have a lot of urgency. There isn't you know a, a cutoff date for enrollment or applications. There often isn't a special offer. There often isn't you know, uh, showing limited places available. There just isn't enough urgency there to act now. Um, so the urgency is certainly something that could be improved. But then also just the actual sales process process itself of, you know, is there an option to speak with peer-to-peers for, you know, prospective students to speak, speak with existing students that have done the programs before? You know, is there a live chat option to speak with someone? Um, what's the application process look like? Is, is it a you know, often higher ed goes straight into apply now, and it's a really long, difficult to fill out application form. Rather than maybe having a step before that, like a webinar or an, or an online event, where people could come and talk and ask questions before they go into that application process. Um, so there's a lot of different improvements there. That's kind of just some of the core ones, but uh, there's definitely um improvements there to get more students. Totally, totally. And you, um, you, you mentioned video. I'm, a, I'm a bit, I'm big on videos on websites. Um, what are some of the key features mm-hmm. a higher institution should include to attract and engage prospective students efficiently? So you mentioned videos. What yeah. social videos? What other avenues should they uh, explore? Yeah. Well, for I suppose first I'll break down the video part a, a bit further. So there's a lot of different types of videos they could have on their website that they, that they typically don't. So there could be a lecturer video on the course page with the lecturer speaking and explaining the course content. There could be a video on the homepage showing the campus and facilities and just kind of giving a full overview, like a big brand video. And there could be student testimonial videos talking about their experience and what they found great about the course. So the different types of videos to have on the website. Um, but some of those key features to put bring it back to that really just comes down again to like what the call to actions are and, and what the, the user journey is for that prospective student coming to the website. Often the, the user journey right now for a lot of higher ed websites is to click through five, 10 different pages, read a huge amount of text, don't really get a lot, a lot of kind of interactive or engaging content, just lots, lots, lots of text. Um, and then at the end of all that, a link to apply uh, doing into a form to apply, which is often really long, really confusing, and often difficult for the student to fill out, even if they are really interested in it and enrolling at that time. Yeah, like the the student testimonial videos that you just shared with me. When I went to university, I went to university as an adult learner, so later in well, life, and I did look at the 
different um, majors there there were at yeah. the university that I went to, and every single one of them had student ambassador videos on there talking about their the experience. Now, mm-hmm. I like research, I like social proof, and I want to make sure that when I get into this big ticket item, I, I know what I'm getting myself into. So I don't fully trust the the website itself because it's coming from you the DM that wants yeah. You know, I obviously want something out of me. So what I did is I, I connect with that with that student ambassador offline on LinkedIn and got their scoop yeah. on the school. Of course, they were stellar. They, they were great student ambassadors because yeah, they told me the same story that they basically told on our website. So, um, but yeah, that that peer to peer recognition that 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 counts for more than anything else at, on our website. I would say you know having that social proof is huge. Um, mm-hmm. on there so let's talk about let's go further in the websites um, how can higher ed institution utilize their website to showcase their unique value proposition especially when prospective students have so many other options nowadays yeah so it's it's really about the, the university institution trying to find their, their why or what makes them special like their real unique value propositions Often the you know the unique selling points of the USPs that 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 universities have are very generic. The things like we've got great qualifications, we've got great you know facilities, but these are necessarily unique things that are special, unique to that particular university. And um, there's often a deeper level of of why or you know why come to us or what we can do. Um, but there's things the university can create themselves for for students if those things aren't clear. They can create those uh, unique um, selling, you know, those unique value propositions of USPs to make it easier for students to enroll. And um, like one key area where I think higher ed's falling down behind other education uh, institutions and um, other education sectors is just having too many barriers to entry. Mm. You know, there's, there's there isn't like a, a payment plan maybe that's effective. There isn't an easy way to engage or an easy way to to um, to learn more. A really great way, for example, on your website, um, you know, that could be great for high rate and really effective is allowing people to enroll for free for into the course, maybe for a week, get a trial, get get a sample, get something internal so they can see what the learning management system looks like. They can see what the, the lecturer, you know, a bit, bit more interest in what we talk about. You can, you know, get more insights into uh, into what is going to be happening in the course, you know, and what it looks like and what the experience will be, you know, that would, work, you know, for example, works really well because people, or prospective students, they just want to see inside the doors of what it's going to be like and taste a bit of their future experience before they just go, okay, I'll apply now. Here's all my savings, all my money, you know, okay. there has to be a bit more before that huge step. Yeah, hundred percent. I uh, recently spoke to an uh, education marketer out of England, and his name is mm-hmm. Kyle Campbell. I don't know if you know him, but he talked. I, I know about, Kyle really well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he talked about the try before you buy experience. You know. Yeah. Like I just said, you know, let people try it out, see how it is before they, um, before you ask them to marry you, basically. You know. Going <laughs> yeah. Um. There's another thing you talked about is the showing the unique value proposition to seeing if these students are actually a good fit, right? That's why you want to bring in the diversity, equity, and inclusion. You want to showcase these different demographics on the website. So people that are uh, underrepresented often that they feel comfortable uh, going there as well to see, am I welcome there as a student, as a person, right? So that's also very uh, important to showcase that on your website, whether it's pictures or 
or videos or just initiatives at large that uh, speak to those demographics there on the website as well. Yeah. Um. So what does what what role what role does a website play in creating a memorable first impressions? First impressions are always key for prospective students as well as their mm-hmm. families. Those are very important as well. Can you share some examples um, of those? Yeah, sure. I think like the, the website is is a really kind of you know it's, it's one of the first touch points that often uh, the university has with the prospective student. You know, maybe they've seen some some advertisements that have been running, maybe some brand marketing that's been done, maybe they've been sent out maybe a leaflet or, or a PDF or a brochure. But the website is kind of the first, I suppose, kind of major touch point in the sense that you you're able to see everything. You can see the courses, you can see the staff, the faculty, the mission, the, you know, everything about the institution and its facilities and its purpose. And you know, it's a really kind of it's a really kind of um a, a, a kind of the maybe defining touch point for a prospective student before they kind of come to an open day or before they apply, before they make the next decision. So getting it right is absolutely uh, critical. I think some really good impression, uh, really good examples um, from a, maybe the Harvard Business School Online, or Harvard University is a really good website, I think, to, to kind of benchmark off. Obviously, one of the top universities, um, but again there's a reason why they're one of the top universities and often they're you know some of the top universities are often um some of the quickest to adapt and bring in some of the best uh, marketing strategies so things again that they have for example are really good examples um of video the really good use of video on their website they've got video all over the website and um, particularly i know for the harvard business school online which i was a student of and um, they convinced me to enroll um, you know they've a lot, they've a video on every almost every course page. They've a lot of uh, videos being used uh, to to communicate uh, value in what they do. And again, the the video I suppose then is something I can't really understate that the video is just so much more effective. Um, but video is more effective in in general speaking for for businesses, but particularly for higher ed. It's a it's a real game changer because the higher ed institutions are trying to convey so much information. It's it's a huge amount of information they try to get across to people, um, in terms of the course content, in terms of the application process, or the admissions process, in, ter- in terms of the history, and you know there's a huge amount of information they try to put across, and and video is a really good way to do that. But again, just trying to tell the the university's story, mm-hmm. you know, some ways the university can personalize themselves more it's just by showing their communities you know you made a great point there chris about how do i know this university is for me you know if i'm from maybe a different background or you know i'm, I'm worried about the, the lack of diversity potentially in the university showing things like communities that exist in the university is a really good way to to showcase that oh we are inclusive you know rather than just saying it we actually have communities you know student-led communities within the university that you can join you know that represent you so I think that uh, again are just the good ways to um to show if this university is the right fit for you. Yes, that, that is a good point, and I, I like that you touched on uh, video again. Uh, you went to an online school, so did I. I went to the University of Florida, but I t- went to their online program. Very good. And, as somebody with uh, a full time job, two kids, I didn't have a lot of time <laughs> to read the big blocks of text, right? So yeah, yeah, it's really important for me to consume those videos and that content on the go wherever I was. So it was easy for me to consume that and then make that decision. So again, touching on video, very, very important with the Mm. overall marketing strategy in higher ed uh, these days. Yeah, definitely. So 
how are you adapting your marketing message to appeal to a smaller, more competitive pool of prospective students now with the ongoing um, upcoming enrollment cliff? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a, there's a few ways to combat that enrollment cliff I can go into. I suppose in particular in terms of just marketing messages, if you get these other things right on your website in your marketing, then the marketing messages that you're putting out there, the advertisements, all of those things can change to reflect that. So if you have urgency, for example, you can have special offers in the in the ads. If you have a free trial, for example, that can be in the ads, you know, or a free webinar, that can be in the ads. These different things, if they're if they're created you know, internally in the institution, they're, they're featured on the website and then they can be published and pushed out through the marketing channels. Again, is really effective. Um, I think that's kind of a key piece in terms of the marketing messages is the call to actions and what we're trying for people to do. Rather than trying to push for people to apply now, just push for them to 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 learn more, to watch a video, to you know download a brochure, to you know come to a free online event they can learn more. Just try to get them to engage in some of those ways in terms of the marketing messages rather than being too direct, too pushy, too salesy. And um, because again, that's a, that's another kind of um common enough challenge or mistake that, that happens in high rate is you know, we you run an ad saying apply now. Yeah. To just apply now. You know, but in reality, this is a massive decision. You know, like enrolling in your first degree or, or investing in your education is as big as a decision as maybe getting a mortgage or a house because it's huge financially. It's very long term and, and you know, it's going to go on for years. So it's 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 important to have a lot of preamble or a lot of uh, softener and engagement before you try to push for apply. Yeah, I love that you you brought up that apply now message. It is such a big ask. It, it, it's, it's a huge a, ask. Yeah, huge ask. It's even um, I work for a tech company and we have a call to action called request a demo. Uh, even sure. a demo is a big ask. Yeah. Sometimes structure it and say book a discovery call. Just check it out. No pressure, right? That sort of yeah. sort of approach. Like don't. Don't create friction. Don't create pressure for these mostly um, 17 to 18-year-old kids that have their entire life in front of them and hear the stories. They hear the horror stories of that massive student loan debt that people are struggling with. Of course, yeah. You want to be able to uh, gently approach them and not just hit them over the hammer with that apply now button. Yeah. Um, So let's talk strategies a little bit. With the... uh, because the enrollment cliff is coming, everybody's yeah. talking about it. How are changing their graphics, especially with the anticipation of the enrollment cliff, influencing your current marketing strategies for higher ed institutions? Should everybody go online, have an online school? What, what are we talking about? Yeah, well, I think online is part of it, certainly. But there's there's a, there's a few strategies, I think, that are probably more common in European universities that maybe haven't been, you know, I think, maybe integrated or, or, or done as much perhaps in the US, for example. Um, like things like international partnerships, you know, like having having university to university partnerships or, or where essentially you're able to offer your courses through another education institution or, or vice versa. They can send you students and um, having some partnerships international other countries, I think, is a pretty significant um, must for a lot of a lot of higher institutions. Now, you can't really focus too much just domestically or just locally it has to be international that's be international partnerships you know that could be partnerships with other universities partnerships perhaps with with industry or, or the government but there has to be other kind of avenues and partnerships that are sending students your way and um, international student recruitment international branding you know trying to create awareness 
and have marketing campaigns and you know have participation in, in events at an at a, at a international stage, not just domestically. Um, you know, trying to bring more focus um, you know, to your university from abroad, essentially. I think if, if you look at the European market, for example, I think there's a lot of integration across over there. I think partially because there's so many countries in Europe that there's a lot of different, you know, people like to go to another country to live there for a year and it's also easy to do so. Um, but there's a lot of partnerships internationally there where students are coming from Asia, coming from the Middle East and Africa and coming to Europe to study. And I think that, for the enrollment cliff, you know, in terms of of a, of a lack of what we're talking about is really international, um, you know, student uh, recruitment. That's that's really, I think, the the core focus is to is to have those international strategies and try to you know focus on and um, be more present on that international stage. Okay, okay, yeah, that's great. You talked about the partnerships as well, and I heard about corporate partnerships are pretty important mm. as well with this. Yeah. You know, I read McDonald's or Starbucks in the U.S. They support their staff and help them with with, with the tuition reimbursement. Yeah. Get them started on the right foot. Um, are there any strategies to engage non-traditional students like myself, adult learners in the population um, to help offset the decline of numbers in, you know, the traditional students? Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there, there has to be, I suppose, a bit of a refresh or a change when it comes to some forms of the higher ed model. And, you know, when it comes to higher education, a lot of the time the courses and everything are created and prepared for people, you know, specifically that are coming out of school generally, but they haven't really been thought of for perhaps adult learners, people returning to education at a later stage. But this is a huge mistake and, you know, you're missing out. These institutions are really missing out because, there, there's a few key things that has to happen or be done to to make the the the, the courses appealing and doable for adult learners. So that's things like flexibility. You know, you mentioned at the start of the podcast, I enrolled in the Power MBA, for example. You know, I, I enrolled in that at the age of you know twenty eight. Yeah. You know, and um, after having done a bachelor's degree, done a postgrad, and everything, but there, there's a few reasons why. But one of the main reasons was the micro learning. You know, they've they've broken the course up into snippets where I could I could spend five minutes every couple of hours going through course material and I could tick this off, tick this off. The assessments were were engaging or easy to do. They 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 made it doable for me. Where yeah. where often the cases in higher ed, I don't want to say we make it as difficult as possible, but we, it that often doesn't come into the equation of oh, will this suit the the prospective student? Sure. You know, it, the courses can often be very time intensive. You know, it might be location based or they might be live or with no recorded option. There might not be much flexibility. Yeah. You know, some of those areas are a real issue when it comes to to trying to engage adult learners who have, as you said, you know, and in, in, in your own scenario myself is we have jobs. You know, yes. We have families. We have we're busy. We have things to do. So it has to be flexible. Yeah, I've, I've once heard a, in a podcast on the Higher Ed Marketer podcast that mm. uh, one of the issues with uh, attracting adult learners is not our competition isn't other higher ed institutions, it's life itself. You know, it's family. Yeah, exactly. It's work. Yeah. We're you know I mean? yeah, and that's what I loved about my uh, online education at the University of Florida. I could get up mm. at five in the morning before my kids were up and do some do some homework or do some yeah. exams five to seven while they were asleep i was knocking it out before work and then after they went to bed again i i got back in you know i didn't have to worry about driving to campus finding yeah, out it was only more time yeah um no there's going to be uh with the uh, um 
with the enrollment cliff, demographic enrollment cliff, there are some demographic, some races that, you know, usually it's a traditional white non-student in the Midwest that's been declining because of the um, the 2008 economic crash. People have less children, but then there's other ethnicities where there was actually an uptick. So that diverse student population may be more prevalent uh, to target going forward. So what role does understanding diverse student personas play in forming effective marketing strategies during that demographic yeah. shift? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 in part understanding the the state of affairs economically mm-hmm. um, and culturally and with demographics of other countries internationally. There's a lot of countries right now where you know the a third of the population is under the age of 20. You know, yeah. there's a, there's massive populations there um, who are also looking for uh, international degrees, particularly in places like maybe Indonesia and, and countries like that, where they're, they're younger populations, but they're also looking for um, they're looking for, um, you know, really, I suppose, higher education uh, and bachelor's and master's programs. But they also want to perhaps do them internationally. They want them from internationally recognized institutions or they want to maybe travel abroad and do the programs. And um, I think have, there has to be kind of a, a, a more global approach or view of things and, and looking at all the different markets, because there's so many different countries with their different needs and different demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at, at a country like Japan, where the demographics, are, the population is very much aging. You know, it's 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 very well known to be a, a very fast aging population where people are, are, are now, you know, there's a challenge there of the population becoming more um, you know, older than younger, and then how do they care for the population? But if you if you look at the different countries and their demographics, you can understand, um, I think, better why they would come to university, and that, that I think that allows you, it gives you a playbook essentially to okay, let's market to that you know that 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 country, let's find partnerships in that country, let's find ways to you know go to events in that country and and to become you know present and to become an option. Because there's no reason for a, a university uh, in in the US not be able to take students from these countries, they just have to make it doable, you know. And and think about things as well about like transportation. Think about things like accommodation, mm-hmm. you know. Have those things built in as well, where they're helping the student to get to the university and maybe package it all in together. That when it comes to international education is particularly important because often the course fee isn't the, just the, the challenge, but actually a fear of will I be able to find somewhere to live while I do the program. So again, it's just it's it's coming back to that thing of what does this prospective international student need to yeah. to study here. I uh, wrote a case study for my company a couple of months ago for a mm-hmm. university that that had a lot of students coming from China. And they used our personalization tool, Clive, to mm. go around the um, the Great Firewall of China because usually they use Google uh, Forms for people to fill out yeah. information, but they couldn't do that. So they used our forms to get in touch with their Chinese students to arrange pickup from the airport and getting them from the airport to the university. So they gave that personalized experience so they don't arrive in in that country not really knowing the language trying to find their way to a university that maybe an hour yeah. away it's going to be really stressful so they gave that yeah, absolutely. touch yeah and if you put yourself in their shoes like it would be it would be terrifying you know yeah. to go to another country another culture another language and not have that support so yeah i think it's it's crucial can you talk about the importance of personalization higher ed marketing especially on the websites for yeah. you know prospective students 
Yeah, so again, I suppose there's a lack of personalization when it comes to, to marketing higher ed. I think part of the reason is that higher education institutions and universities haven't always historically had to maybe fight as hard potentially for students if they have students coming from the local area, you know, and they're the go-to uh, place. If they have a very strong brand, if they've been around for 100 years, you know, some of these things make it, okay, easy for them to pick up students so they haven't necessarily tried to look at these improvements. But personalization is very lacking in, in higher education. And that's not just the US, but Europe. And, and, you know, I once did a test before where I contacted uh, dozens of universities and I just monitored, the, you know, through their websites and I just monitored the, the feedback of personalization that came back. And the personalization, apart from one or two, was awful. Um, often what I got back was a really long email, often a copy and paste from the course website page, but nothing about asking me questions about who I was what I was looking for, what my concerns were, you know, if I had any questions, really just, again, it was just copy and paste, sending me a huge amount of text. And then again, just apply here, this link. But that doesn't really, that's not selling, you know, that, you know, and I think sales is kind of a dirty word in education, particularly higher education, but it is, it is, you know, selling doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. You know, sales, I think, and selling is important in life. You need someone to sell you a car. You need someone to sell you your house. You, you need to be sold things that are good for you and help you to to you know to buy and to to gain assets and you know gain advantages in life. And I think in education, sales is 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 kind of something that we need to to improve a lot on. But it starts from the website where how do they get in touch with you? How do they enter that sales process? You know, live chat options, phone calls, WhatsApp. What what are the options to engage? You know, how do we? How do you? This this the perspective shouldn't get in touch. And I think that's another place where you know that needs to be improved. Where we we aren't always offering the communication tools that the student wants to use. Yeah. You know, maybe have a WhatsApp button. You know, if if you push them to text you, if you push them to do something they don't want to do, okay, I've got to text this institution now that's going to cost me money, or I've got to give them a phone call. I don't have time for a phone call you know, trying to meet them where they are. And then when they, you get them into that sales process, personalize, use their name, ask about them, you know, and then try to connect the dots of who they are and why this course would be a good fit for them and why this institution would be a good fit for them and just just personalize that journey for them. Yeah, I love I love that example of the text messages. Um, you know, our default is usually sending an email, but what if that student doesn't use their email, right? So maybe give them the yeah. Whether it's a, yeah. you know, what do you prefer? What mode of communication do you prefer? Is it an email? Is it a call? Is it a text message, right? Give them that option uh, from the get-go and then talk to them that way and yeah. keep them engaged in that way. Uh, great episode so far. As we close that episode, yes. what is it, one important lesson that you have learned over the course of your career that you can share with higher ed marketers? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I've touched on a lot of things here. And I suppose to summarize them, I suppose a couple of key points I suppose one really important lesson maybe is just to invest in your team, invest in who you work with, you know, look for consultants and agencies. And this, I suppose, kind of sounds like I'm selling myself, but it is true that for for your university, look for the people in the space that, that you know, work with education institutions, universities, look for these the niche experts. You know, one of the biggest complaints I have for new clients and people I work with in college universities is, oh, we work with this agency and they couldn't help us. And I was like, well, yeah, but they work with dentists and they work with drivers. And then you, you just hand them your university. Just work with people who are specific to universities and colleges and have that expertise. And um, I think that's kind of an important lesson. 
just and just invest in it, invest a bit in the people that you work with and the team that you've built. Um, and I think I think you'll get great results. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want to know, you want to be in the on on the beat of your of your customers and your audience. You know, and you want to know their pain points so you can steer them in the yeah. right direction, right? This is the same, the same with the company I work for, Hannon Hill. We have a content management system that works specifically with higher ed institutions, and we know some of the issues with end users. You know, uh, how that can be difficult to get them onto the CMS and then push out their with their content on a daily basis. So there are certain yeah. or the webmaster or the director of marketing to help them stay engaged with the uh, with the CMS and the same with somebody like you with an agency that specifically works with higher institutions. You know exactly what the industry trends are and you can advise them along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um what are two books or podcasts or creators that you would recommend anyone should follow or look into further to learn about higher ed marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a few people I take inspiration from um, you know, Kyle Campbell, who you mentioned, is great. Kyle posts great LinkedIn content. He's got a newsletter. He's got the Education Marketer podcast. Great resource to check out. Um, the Edup Experience. I host the Edup Markham podcast, and um, I focus on really kind of marketing, education, marketing guests as part of the Edup Experience. But the Edup Experience itself, it just passed I think over three hundred thousand downloads, and and it's it's a great podcast where they've they've interviewed hundreds of CEOs, presidents, just, you know, real leaders of universities and colleges. And they're just taking all of those snippets and all that information and passing it on for free. And um, yeah, I th- and then it's another great resource I think I came across as well before was Enrollify, which is kind of, I suppose, an e-learning platform. Um, but they've created courses specifically for you know, marketing directors of universities to pass on lessons. So I think that's another great resource. But I think really just just look for you know, I suppose real niche, um, really, really niche down resources like that, that I think um, are people who are just focusing on education marketing because education mar- marketing itself is like a whole other discipline almost to just marketing for other, uh, you know, other businesses. Yeah, yeah. I heard in, a, in several higher ed marketing podcasts that marketing a higher ed institution is, more, is a very difficult endeavor indeed. Yeah, it's it's also very different, you know. There's a sales process. There's an application form. We're often not using e-commerce, so now we're, we're there's the sales process. Ironically, for higher ed, has to be better almost than any other type of business because we don't have e-commerce. They can't purchase through the website. You know, they have to go through an admissions uh, sales process and you know, application form, all of that. But then often in higher ed, it's often one of the. It's often historically, you know, I think from my experience, a, a weak point of, of higher ed, uh, where we haven't you know, really nurtured that sales process uh, enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So as we as we close the episode, how can people get in touch with you, connect with you, learn more about you or Education Marketing Agency? Yeah, absolutely. But I, th- I think, and this this might sound like a brag, but I think if you Google my name, I think I'm the top result for it. I've got about 14,000 followers on LinkedIn. Um, so find me on LinkedIn and connect. Um, you know, I've got a newsletter and podcast and a lot of free resources I've created for education institutions. I publish content there and um, you just go to educationmarketingagency.co as well. And um, one thing I, I, I've done, I suppose, with any business that I've ever done is I've always called the business after what it does. So the SEO was often very good. Yeah. So a quick Google search and you should be able to uh, to find me with the business as well. Wonderful, Philip. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today, sharing all your insights with the audience. And I learned a lot and I'm sure the audience learned a lot as well. So thank you so much, Philip. Thanks, Chris. Great questions. And I really enjoyed being on. Awesome. You have a good day now.
Okay.